So welcome to what appears to be our 13th episode of um, Dojo Universe. And this is sort of our podcast that we produce each week using our software. And it's generally in hopes that um, you know people will um, see the benefits of buying our program. But otherwise, it's just kind of a fun time that we have uh, talking about bagpipe stuff in a somewhat low-key way. And uh, today we have um, Pipe Major David Hilder with us, although um, he's not microphone enabled. So he's on our chat window here. And for those listening to the podcast later, um, we'll try to relay the things that they're talking about as best we can over the audio. Um, but meanwhile, um, the purpose of today's episode is um, to sort of listen quite a bit to the Dalco Triumph Street uh, album that's just come out. Um, they just produced an album with 13 um, really impressive tracks on them. And uh, the album is called With Purpose. And uh, this track is the first one on the album, which I think is uh, really great. I've had it on repeat here for uh, a couple days here at the dojo. And it's called Our Natives. And uh, frankly, I'd be curious to know, um, David, uh, what the story is behind this um, composition. Maybe you could type a little bit to us while we listen. But um, here it is.
Okay, so that's uh, again the first track from the um, Dalco Triumph Street album with Purpose, which we're sort of uh, having a listen to in depth here this week. And I think the first thing that um, definitely really strikes me about this piece is um, how well it's produced. And um, I know um, David wrote me an email because he knew he probably wasn't going to be able to get on uh, the mic today. Now, where did that go? I got it this morning. That could mean pretty much anything. Uh, here we go. And uh, it's interesting. Um, so uh, Dave was telling me about, you know, how they produced it. So I thought I'd read this because it's really kind of interesting. Um, and before I do, I see that Vin is here. Let me um, bring Vin into the fray here. Uh, Vin is, of course, the Dojo U illustrious co-host. I'm back. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so anyway, I'm going to read some of this. Uh, so Dave says, it's kind of funny that he's here, but he can't talk. But hey, that's, that's how uh, it's going to work. So we used Hipposonic Studios, which is formerly called Mushroom, which is, uh, you know, already... Uh, the sweet sound is starting to be explained here. Uh, one of the most historical large live rooms in Vancouver. It's built uh, into an earth hill on three sides and has such a great sound and feel with real reverb chambers as well. So rather than trying to generate reverb digitally, right, it sounds like this space is, you know, producing a really awesome sound on its own. When testing out live rooms, we tested several, and this one just had the right vibe. Uh, recording a large group like a pipe band is always challenging, so we knew it would not be easy. We wanted to make sure that all our hard work would be captured, um, you know, such that it could be the best sonically. We decided to spend a great deal of our budget on top people in the business. That's uh, very interesting. We, we started by hiring our awesome producer, Ian Castleman of Mariana's Trench. Am I supposed to know what that is, Dave? What's Mariana's Trench? Isn't that underwater? <laughs> Maybe. I, I have no idea. That's like this gigantic crevice in the earth that's like miles deep or something like that, under the water. <laughs> Unless it's an actual physical land-based place, too. Yep. Juno-nominated local rock stars. Okay. For... for uh, you know, our American audience, Junos, would be the Canadian equivalent of, what, the Grammys, I think? But that's cool. So uh, that's the person who produced it, which is very interesting. Uh, put together a great sound engineer team. Dean Meyer, just one of the best there is, having recorded so very many top bands and artists. He truly made it easy, and the live room came alive. Dave Rave Ogilvy um, to mix it. Dave Ogilvy sounds familiar. That is he a piper, Dave, or not? No, he's not. Okay. Um, the fantastic ear. Dave has also mixed just about everyone. Cool. And then, of course, the recent claim to fame, which um, I read from Shauna earlier today. Uh, Shauna is Dave's wife and um, pipe sergeant of, of the band. 
Um, but he recently mixed the Call Me Maybe. You know that song, Ben? I think I do, yeah. I've seen a, I've seen I a wonder video of that, I think. Uh, yeah, it's sort of one of the big hits right now on yeah. the radio, and so I guess he was involved in that, so that's sure. pretty cool. I'm, I'm curious to know, is it was, was this the first time he's engineered uh, a pipe band or bagpipers in general? Um, it said, Dave just said, yeah, he's never worked with a pipe band. Yeah, cool. So, um, so it's pretty cool. I mean, it strikes me, I mean, Vin, and you can attest to this, even the best bands, when they get recorded, they don't necessarily capture like the real sound of a pipe section. I think that's yeah, really hard to do. Yeah, it's, and, and it's one of the reasons why uh, guys like Murray Blair are in such high demand, you know, because, uh, you know, being a piper, he kind of understands the, the just the, the principles involved, you know, with acoustics and, and what the limitations are with space and technology and things like that. And, he's able to overcome them when he records, you know, and, and yeah. gets a pretty good result. I mean, it's just, you know, there's just, I don't think anything's pretty, is, is designed to, to capture the full sort of realistic effect of being in the presence of a pipe band, you know? Yeah. Um, it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, and it's pretty rare. And I, I kind of felt like I felt kind of hugged, you know, hugged by the sound there in that first track. And that's just an MP3 too. It's not even the full quality of what was produced. So, um, so that's pretty good. Well, let's talk a little bit less. Um, here's a quick track, which I really enjoyed. Just some classic 4-4 um, four, four marches here. So let's have a listen to this. And uh, then we'll go through some more stuff that, uh, uh, that we have collected here for the show. So here we go. Short and sweet. Oh, that's a teaser. Yeah, really. A Wii 44, a Wii track with Wii 44s. Yeah, Maybe I love uh, I love the onslaught of harmony right into the second tune there. I think that's extremely tasty and something that, um, you know, that I would definitely, uh, you know, definitely yeah, approve I love, of. I love a good 44. They're idea. they're underrated. <laughs> Guest four are natives. Um, Oh, cool. So Simon Blackshaw has a book. So the first track that we listened to looks like it, uh, the music is published. So that's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, We Highland Laddie, I think, is the first tune in that one, I want to say. And then, of yeah. course, I have it in front of me. 
And the second one, of course, I know it, but what's the name of that? It's uh, Battle of Waterloo, right? Now what it is? Uh... Yes, uh, of course. Okay. Donald, classic Donald McLeod tune. As I should know. It's interesting. It looks like the drum scores are um, by... Um, I think it's Tim Gladden. Is that right, Dave? Tom. Tim or Tom? So he's a would be a relatively well-known drummer from uh, from British Columbia. Um, if I'm not mistaken, at one point was lead tip of SFU. Um, so I could be mistaken there. Dave, I'm sure Dave will correct me there. Yeah. Um, so that would be pre-Reed Maxwell. I think Tim Gladden was involved. So um, that's very cool. Um, okay, so uh, let's go on with a couple more, uh, a little bit more of the info here that Dave sent me. Um, okay, here's a question I asked Dave, and um, this is what he said. So I asked, do you think that you have to be a top grade one band to justify reco uh, recording a quote-unquote pipe band album? You know, certainly um, those are really the only albums we hear um, or, or that we purchase. You know what I mean, Vin? Yeah, yeah. It's it, well. I mean, it's you know, when you think about it, you know, the, the production that goes into it, which is one of the reasons I think why a lot of the albums you see in the last, I guess, ten years or so have been all alive, right? Recording. I don't think there's ever. I don't think this is probably one of very few in the last ten years that have come out studio recorded. You know, um, so there's a lot of production value that goes into that. I think um, big investment, obviously. So you got to have the uh, the attraction of the name, I guess, to go along with it to actually make the make the yeah. sales or something um you know obviously i mean obviously it's it's easy enough to to record your your own cd whether no matter whether you're a top end or not i mean technology well, exists to do that yeah but, uh, here's to a, really sort of make a big splash i think you know i think you need the whole package right maybe maybe here's what dave says i think that if you have the time a committed group and the budget anyone can justify doing a recording mm -hmm. you just need to make sure that you're playing within your means and that your goals are realistic we, yeah, and so he's referring to the, the Dalco band that. here. Uh, we spent five full days recording in the live room. We had specific tracks that had to make it, and others we felt we could drop should we not have the time um, you know, to finish them. We had an ambitious amount of tracks we wanted to put down, and we ended up with 13 solid tracks to be proud of. You can just record one great track if that's all you have. Our team really enjoyed the experience. It was a great bonding weekend. Everyone deserves to remember their band and their moment. However, with a top grade one band, there comes expectation. My goals were to have a sonically pleasing recording that was enjoyable and had something for everyone. I feel we were able to achieve all of our goals, and uh, he's very proud of the album. So, um, And I would say definitely. Great. So we just had two really good sounding tracks there. You know, and yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with, with what he's saying. And, I, if, you know, Dave, I know you're out there and... Um, you know, I'm sure you could agree with this, but uh, a lot of pipe band recordings are just, they, they're not that uh, enjoyable to listen to. Like they don't just, they, they just don't sound quite right. Um, and therefore it's tough to want to turn it on. You know, um, it's, it's not something that you want to listen to a lot. Yeah. And there's a, there's a definite, definite uh, sort of plague of sameness through them all too, you know. 
Uh, every every band's got their own twist on on various things, but they're all pretty much a, a pretty well tried formula <laughs> with the yeah. concert or the live recording. You know, um, that being so said, though, the studio opens up some possibilities. You know, here's here's one of the things that I think. I think that. Uh, people don't turn it up loud enough. I think that's one of the big problems. <laughs> I mean, even this, right, you think about a pipe band, think about just how loud it is. And then and then we take our earbuds with our iPhone and we probably have the volume restrictor thing turned on. So it can only go up like a teeny little bit. And it's not even remotely, <laughs> you know. And then the other thing I would say to that is, I, I believe that there's actually, um, when you get up, you know, within 15 feet of a pipe band, um, it's actually you can actually feel the sound that's coming out, especially the bass drum, and the sort of um, you know oh, you yeah. can feel that vibration coming out. And I think that's where a lot of the sound is. And you're not going to get that with headphones. You might get that with some super nice speakers, but um, yeah, uh, it's, and it's the allure of being at you know in, in live at the concert, you know, as well as maybe you know watching a contest or something like that when totally. you're up close, you know. Now, here's an interesting interesting anecdote uh, of my own. Is the first time I heard a really great pipe band live. Uh, It was in 1996 at the Altamont Fairgrounds when SFU came, and I happened to know that at that time uh, Dave and Shauna were playing in SFU, so they were there at that exact same moment where I heard my first uh, great pipe band sound live. And uh, Dave, do you have any recollection of that? I know you were there because I've seen you in the pictures. <laughs> There's proof. <laughs> yeah, I, I have proof. And I was sitting right in the front row. I was like super geek. And uh, um, it's the first time I heard the band. It's also coincidentally sort of the first time I started to dream about playing with the SFU pipe band. And uh, and so, so that was pretty cool. And, um, and and it's like it's so it's like we were talking about. It's the sound of it. Um, you can actually really feel it. And so it's good to it's good to hear and to sort of tie back here. It's kind of good to hear an album where you know you could tell uh, they're really working on capturing the sweet pipe mm-hmm. tone and, and the real sound. Yeah, it really, it really does sound. It really does give the impression that you're you know, you're standing right there up close, listening to the band uh, in the circle or something. You know, I mean one of, one of my favorite things to do is just like you know, especially with SFU when they do their Kaylees after their workshops or things like that. They, they you know they they put on a performance and you're right there. You know, or in the beer tent or something like that. I mean, those kinds of experiences are really—they're just different, you know, because you're right—you're right up because you're feeling the, every impact of every note, you know. And uh, definitely, so far in these two tracks, you hear that kind of effect, you know, where you have that sort of feeling um, of being right next to the band, you know. There's definitely sort of a, a sound quality there that's similar. Yeah, um, Dave, uh, I've got the parading of the McDonald's up next because it's one of my favorite tracks. But what do you have on our list that we just have to hear today? You know, because we're, obviously we won't be able to listen to the whole thing, but um, I'd like to listen to five or six of the best ones. Like, uh, what what should I cue up here? The final track is awesome. Final track is awesome. Well, there's a test. There's there's a testament if there ever was one. So. Right. Well, I Cue think we up. should save that. Uh, we should save that to last. And then we do have Amazing Grace on here, which is quite awesome, too. So, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do my third choice, and then we're going to go. Uh, we're definitely going to hit Amazing Grace and uh, farewell to the Kings here uh, uh, at the end. So uh, here's this one. This is uh, Parading of the McDonald's. 
Nice. Very cool. So uh, the uh, parading of the McDonald's is um, it was on the silver medalist a few years back. It's um, it's a lesser known P-Rock and it's got a very flowing sort of compound time feel to it. Um, and so it's an obvious, um, obvious choice here to to get going with the band and to be able to write some really musical stuff to it. So, um, yeah, that was really good. That was really nice. And I was just asking Dave on the chat while we were doing this, you know, um, Hal Senek, who's a judge and um, extremely well-known bebrock um, player in British Columbia, um, he was the drone technician on this album. And uh, so apparently, uh, 
sounds wow, is like that a credit. It's an actual credit. Drone tech. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, so Hal awesome. was going around during the recording process and touching up the drones and making sure um, that they were in good shape. And then Dave mentions it's it's the first time he's ever let anyone um, touch the drones. Like he's usually the drone guy. And I know that. Um, Oh, yes. And of course, I should mention that Hal is also the original pipe major of the Triumph Street Pipe Band. So uh, I think this is 40 years now of the Triumph Street Pipe Band's existence. And um, Hal was pipe major back um, in, in, I guess you could call it the first age where the Triumph Street Pipe Band really rose um, towards the top of the world. Um, uh, the yeah, pipe I, think, I think they were uh, they were the first I don't remember trivia. The first non-Scottish band to win a major prize. Uh, they won the drumming or something like that. The worlds. Yeah, they in won the they won the sash oh, in uh, 1979, I think it was. 79. There it is. Okay. Yeah, um, and they were fifth in the world. So, um, it's it's always very interesting. Um, it's always very interesting to sort of to discover the secret past of how British Columbia has really led the way uh, in pipe bands in North America. Period. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, obviously the 78th Frasers and the 80s were a very uh, excellent band, but, um, yeah, and they won the Worlds in 87, um, and certainly would not want to suggest that they weren't a phenomenal band, but um, uh, British Columbia was kind of, they were at the top of the drumming before Reed Maxwell took 78th at the top of the drumming, and they were at the top of the piping, you know, Jack and Terry were at the top of the piping before the 78th Frasers were. And so, um, they, you know, British Columbia yeah. really have been the pioneers, haven't they? Right, right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Dave mentions the city of Victoria was sixth that same year in 79 in the world right. um, when they took fifth. So, yeah. And we, we've mentioned before that, uh, you know, when the year 78th uh, won the Worlds, uh, SFU was second. <laughs> so, yes. you know, you've got a you've got a pretty, pretty powerful British Columbia sort of Western Canada and presence certainly... there all along the way. And we can certainly sum we can certainly sum up the fact that uh, Canadian piping and drumming, you know, the Canadian pipe band scene, um, has certainly been an enormous influence on the world of pipe bands. Um, and I think that, um, I don't know, I, I'm sure I'm actually sure most reasonable pe reasonable people from the UK would admit that um, uh, the North American enthusiasm for pipe bands and innovation has really sort of motivated Scotland. Um, you know the Scottish and Irish bands um, to be innovative as well. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that's definitely worth sort of touching touching on here in this podcast, as you know. Um, as a, yeah, yeah I, th I think I think you know during the '80s, you know, and and part of the '90s, you know, you had uh, that was like sort of the sort of the uh, I guess the wane of sort of Strathclyde's dominance of the of the world stage, right? And that was that would they would, I would say they would probably represent the staunch traditional scottish band uh i guess idea sure. or ideal you know well, they were also um, then, a band that was able to adapt as well so so they had the phenomenal pipe sound and idiom and then i think you know as and dave you know dave says here bill livingston you know is definitely the sort of figurehead of the modern medley right but you you know yeah. as that started to happen strathclyde stayed in the hunt there for many years you know so they were also yeah. able yeah, to yeah. adapt and I think they were open-minded enough to change, you know, to continue to be, you know, um, you know, I think uh, most people would, 
you know, as far as the right. modern pipe band sound is concerned, well, right? Strathclyde. Well, you had, a, you had a lot of things going on during that time too. Like, like you know, like Dave says, like Bill Zoom's really pioneered the Korean medley, and I think a lot of the Scottish bands sort of followed suit. Um, that was when you saw uh, Paul Kemet hit the scene uh, yeah. and do very well, um, and then also uh, Vale of Athol at the same time. With the time they were Scott Rail Vale of Athol, right? Um, and those those bands were very innovative for their time. You know, really doing some interesting stuff. Um, really taking, I think, what the Canadian bands were doing and just pushing it that much further and um, leading the, sort of paving the way for, uh, you know, SFU's eventual success as well as Schatz's, you know, Schatz and Dykehead's eventual success as well, you know. Well, I mean, Schatz, of course, the modern Schatz, you know, under Rob Matheson would, of course, have been an extension of Paul Kemet as well. Because, right, right. Uh, Rob Matheson was there originally. So, I mean, I'm just speculating there. I, I can't really, um, you know, yeah, once no, I'm, I get I'm thinking, you know. To, once I get down yeah, into yeah. the years where I was like, you know, still trying to <laughs> still out. in the womb. Yeah, so I sort of lose track. But uh, but there you go. Um, but you know, uh, Dave and Vin, you guys can sort of set me straight on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, stylistically, you had. Uh, I mean, you're right about the Polkemet. You know, shots was sort of an extension of that, what uh, Rab was doing in Polkemet. You know, but uh, I think a st- it's sort of a stylistic path that was sort of carved in the 80s by likes of 78th Razors and um, bands like that so um, totally yeah um, it's interesting uh, uh, David is saying how uh, yeah a lot of the top bands are all playing the original Warnock reeds uh, the Chesney Warnocks which uh, we're getting a new shipment in just throwing it out there people um, but uh, uh, they're an outstanding reed extremely stable and um you know, I, I think Dave, would it be fair to say, just on a geeky pipe major note, right? I think the Warnocks are remarkable because of how little they change um, in Scotland relative to where they are here. Like they don't bottom out on the bottom hand, and um, you know, like the the Ross Reed, which is of course an excellent, excellent read. Um, but they definitely tended to do that. I, I know I really struggled, you know, keeping the Ross reads up to pitch when I went over. Yeah, and they sustain, you know, it's not so much that they sustain pitch, because obviously, if it's colder, they're going to be lower, but, but the sort of, the, the shape of the, you know, the shape of the tuning stays the same. So the bottom hand doesn't, doesn't behave strangely relative to the top hand, and yeah, balance-wise, exactly, so, um, I'm, I'm with you there, Dave, so, um, a lot of the top bands are playing the Chesneys, um, you know. FM slot, Dalco. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think, who else? Yeah, Dave. Dave um, uh, Dalco has a little bit of a challenging draw, wouldn't you say, for the for the world's <laughs> qualifier? I, I I'm not um, I am not glad at all because I know what goes around comes around. We've had the early draw before too. I think we're on closer to. Are we on close? What are we, Dave? Probably, 10, probably like 11, 10 ish, 10 30 ish, something like that. I think we're 10 30. I think we're 10 30, but man, an hour can make all the difference there. So. Oh, yeah, definitely there. Yeah, qualifier is always challenging for traveling bands. You're totally right. So, um, the, and it's, it's a remarkable advantage. Um, any, any pipe major of a grade one band will know that, you know, because, you know, we have to go there and we have to reset everything and, and you guys do an even shorter trip than we do, so you guys are, you guys are in crunch time there for the worlds. Yeah, I, I want to ask a question in turn, getting you know in terms of like preparing for contests like the qualifier being challenging. Like what kind of challenge, similar challenges um, in recording the album 
were encountered. I mean, you know, most most pipe majors and 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 whoever's doing doing the tuning is geared toward those times where you're preparing to be in this, you know, up to the line. You know, what kind of adjustments did you have to make in the studio to maintain the sound and keep it where you wanted it to be? Yeah, I'm definitely curious about that. Um, so, yeah, five five days straight for 10 to 12 hours a day. I wonder if you had, like, did you have a drying out routine or did you not worry about it too much or, you know, yeah, one track at a time. Yeah. And just kept it, just kept making adjustments and things like that yeah, all along the way. After Dried each, after each <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll do it. And then you got to tune it all up again, although it's probably not too bad. But, uh, man, that's pretty grueling, man. Definitely, definitely is pretty grueling. So, uh, let's, let's hear some more music. So, um, yeah, the Chesney reads do make it easier um, with that. Let's go on to, let's listen to Amazing Grace, which is obviously a classic and and uh, something that we're all pretty bored with. But um, having heard this, it is going to be um, refreshing to hear, you know, just how good it can sound. So uh, let me just got to upload it here. It'll just take me a couple seconds. And then uh, rock and roll here. So here it goes. That's amazing that that's natural reverb. That's really good. That's really cool. That's definitely natural. I love the natural feel of it. You know, that's, that's the. It's always the downfall of a lot of studio albums you hear, especially with bagpipes. You always get that sort of sterile <laughs> kind of sound. You want to like, be able to hear it and feel it. You know. Yeah. Definitely. In the interest of time, um, without talking too much, let's hear these uh, three fours 
um, that Dave was talking about here. So this is the second track, um, Farewell to Scotland. Let's just get going with this one. So that's sort of, you know, a, some modern 3-4 marches there, which is, of course, refreshing to hear. Yeah, really good. Not that I don't love Green Hills, you know. <laughs> and Lock and Side, don't forget Lock and Side. Lock and Side's a good can't one. Get, can't get enough of that. Just can't get enough of it, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Kilworth Hills, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, um, you know... Um, yeah, I just can't recommend this album enough. I think it's really tastefully done and sounded really good. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, dare dare I say it ushers in a new era of the recorded pipe band album. That would be well, I hope you're, interesting. I hope you're right about that. I mean, I hope that really takes off. I mean, one of the big challenges about recording albums in general is that you know it's it's a little bit of a you know everything's in transition, and I'm sure. They've got this up on iTunes and stuff, but you know it can be tough to get people to buy uh, buy albums now. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely uh, I agree with you there. I mean, one of the big complaints I have about downloading anything from iTunes, you know, and piping especially, is that there's no liner notes. <laughs> Most of the things you download don't have any context or any information whatsoever. So a lot of times you're left with the track name and no other information. So there's six tunes in a, in a set and you don't know the name of any of them. You know, well, these are all, 
all the tunes are in here. There's not a whole lot. I mean, it's very expensive to create liner notes. That's the bottom line. <laughs> having having released CDs of my of my own, it's very expensive to like get that insert in there, and especially when you don't know how many copies you're going to be able to sell, and and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wonder. Um, uh, I have, I actually have a signed copy of With Purpose, um, the new um, Daco Triumph Street CD yeah. in my hand. So there are right several now. great photos. So, so Dave, is, is the line, are the liner, is the CD insert and liner notes going to be on the download? Do you know that for sure? Not all of it. Oh, dang. <laughs> not that I mind buying the CD, of course. You know, that's not a that's not an issue. But uh, now, here's a here's the deal. So um, you can definitely buy the CD. We have a cool like Dojo Universe only promo code here. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, it's you, you could write this down. It's two five D T S P B standing for Dalco Triumph Street Pipe Band. That's the code. Um, it, today is Wednesday, July 11th, and we're leaving the code up until midnight. So if you're listening to our, if you're a fan of our podcast, you can get 25% off the album right now. Just go to pipersdojo.com and search for, um, you know, Triumph Street or something, and it'll come up, uh, and you can use that code. Now, I do have this signed copy, which I'm actually dying to give away for free. I'm just wondering... I wonder if we'll, we'll start with this one. So um, Dave was mentioning that, um, you know, he was part of the city of Victoria pipe band. The first person who can name the pipe major of the city of Victoria pipe band um, in the chat here um, will receive, oh. <laughs> will receive the free but not sign Dave. copy, but not Dave. Dave, you already have the sign copy. <laughs> There was only ever one. Yes, exactly. So, oh. um, so who was the this pipe is, major? This is this is North American pipe band trivia for everyone out there. You have to. This is bone up. <laughs> and then, um, if no one, uh, if no one gets that one, Livingston, uh. <laughs> you're gonna have to buy the CD now. Actually, we might have another question where you can redeem yourself. So it wasn't Bill Livingston. We have somebody who says Troy. Do you mean Troy like the city? Like there is a like Troy in New the York. Iliad, Troy? <laughs> yeah. Or what are, who are we talking about here? Troy. It would need to be the it would need to be the full name. Oof. Guess viewer six. Senior or junior? <laughs> there you go. Middle initial. <laughs> Ooh, junior. Does that rule? Does that rule it out? <laughs> All right. Well, guest guest viewer, I think is uh, guest viewer six. I think that uh, you know, I, I think if you really met junior, you would have said Jamie Troy anyway, or James P. Troy. So uh, exactly. guest viewer six wins the free signed copy. Um, what I'll have you do is um, uh, email me your uh, information and we'll mail this out to you today. Um, so you'll get it in the mail. Um, guest viewer six, good job. Who is guest viewer six? Reveal yourself. <laughs> 
And if you're like someone who was in the band, okay, yeah, Wes from Ohio. From Ohio okay. All right, so we will email you this. Congratulations on that. So, yes, James W. Troy Sr. was, of course, the uh, pipe major of the state of Victoria Pipe Band who, um, you know, I think, Dave, would it be fair to say you got a lot of your pipe band experience there? And I know that um, at various points, um, you know, at some point, uh, Jack and Terry Lee were involved and um, John Fisher uh yes jamie is my mentor yeah definitely he's also a great read maker a, a huge um a huge um genius of bagpipe tone and sound and so uh, uh and a, a judge obviously as yeah, well all the, all, i mean all the, the quality of uh music coming out of british columbia at least uh these days came from somewhere right there was yeah, a, i mean you know, it didn't, didn't spring from nothing <laughs> <laughs> you might you might also you you might also go so far as to say um you know he was a huge influence on all types of reed manipulation probably throughout the world definitely throughout north america so um and it's not to say that um you know i i think jack uh, jack and terry at least um from my perspective have uh, you know have de jack definitely as far as teaching the different fundamentals I'm sure that he's added his own spin to it, but I know that uh, uh, Jamie Troy influenced him as well. Yeah. Yeah, and of course Jack and Terry played for him. So, um, but anyway, yet another uh, yet another sort of uh, branch of how British Columbia has really um, impacted modern pipe bands, definitely in North America and uh, definitely um, in the world as well, in a way. So, um, so anyway. Um, Wes, in, email me your info. I'm sure I have it, actually, if I look it up. But email me anyway. I'll get the CD off to you. And before we play the last track, I just want to say, Vin, you've got a cool feature coming up on PipeHacker.com, right? Yeah, yeah. I got a post. Uh, there's a post today about, uh, you know, finding pipe tunes with purpose, <laughs> I guess. Just Ooh, segue yeah. nicely. Totally coincidental in the titles. But, uh, you know, uh, sort of born of the idea. And, you know, certainly, you know, folks listening to this, this album will... Uh, hear tunes that they might want to play and we all do we all listen to the latest champion bands and say wow that's a great tune i want to play that and uh you know inevitably it it leads people to post on internet forums looking for the music or the source which is just the wrong way to go about it so i've got a post up there with some tips on how to that's certainly methodically find the tunes that you need or want um <laughs> with so the then, goal in mind would it be fair to say would it be fair to say you're not an advocate of just uh, going out and searching for individual tunes. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proponent of uh, finding the source and and obtaining and acquiring the source. Don't, don't let uh, his attempt uh, at a diplomatic response scare you, people. <laughs> he is vehemently opposed. He was ranting about it all day yesterday. <laughs> What's ranting? Oh, I, I love I love I love Jim McGillivray's site PipeTunes.ca. I, I, I think it's a great a great resource, and I purchase tunes there myself. And, uh, oh, exactly. Really? So uh, you admit uh, it? I have, I do. Yeah, you know, there's always, you know, it's it's like, you know, things like um, there are the odd occasional tunes that just do not exist in print anymore, um, unless you work really hard to get them, unless you have a, uh, a an amazing exhaustive library, <laughs> like I have. You know, there's there's always um, something that you're just not going to be able to find unless you find it singly uh, there. But the point is, is that really, you know, how do you trust it? when it's coming to you by email or as a response on a forum, which, you know, you know, it's a lot, you know, going to a forum, I, you know, I think in a post I said, it's it's a lot like going to a barn with hungry starlings and throwing a piece of bread on the ground, you know, you know, so you, you just don't want to
stick around for what happens next, you know, and you'll just end up covered in bird poop, you know. It's wow. just uh, it's, it's just really wow. You've really taken Dojo Universe to a new level today, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you're finding tunes, you want to you want to make sure that you're doing the right things to get you know to to reach your goal. So. That's Great. It. Well, um. I'm going to play the uh, last track here, but uh, check out pipehacker.com uh, for that upcoming article. And, uh, you know, I might release my article soon, too, called um, Go to Jack Lee or Jimmy Guilfrey's site and download <laughs> as much as you can. Oh, just it's, it's all about the library. It's about the library. It's print. Just to, make Vin, <laughs> just to make Vin start ranting about buying the book again. So, uh, But I digress. So, um so, Dave, thanks very much for being with us today. Um, I know for the people listening to the podcast, you'd be like, who is this mysterious Dave? But he's been on the chat with us all day answering questions here. So thank you very much. And uh, thanks for adding some great music to the um, to the pipe band scene here um, and, and working hard. And um, say hi to everybody in the band for me. And uh, I think we'll conclude today with um, Farewell to the Kings, which is the last track on the CD. So... Uh, thanks everybody and for thank, joining us yeah, and thank you Dave and we'll see you soon yeah we'll see you again next week here we go with the last track guys i played the wrong track let me queue up the right one here <laughs> uh, that's sort of the hidden track at the end let me play uh the actual the actual uh final track here that dave was referring to uh let me just it's very cool though oh yes indeed that's kind of like the hidden track that comes before the final track that's what that was and now we're about to hear the final track so um here it goes. <laughs> 